Well, hello, everyone. Uh, We are back in the studio uh, with the Ordinary Courage podcast and your host, Venetia Briault. And I am really honoured today to have Minister Jason Luan in the studio uh, with us. And um, so we are, as per usual, um, we're just going to kind of jump right in. And I'm, I'm actually... Uh, really excited about this uh, episode and just uh, the opportunity to really just to get to know uh, Minister Luan a little bit more. And even just before we press record, um, I, I I just wanted to make sure that I knew what my boundaries were. And so I was just double checking with him on, uh, you know, all the stuff that we're allowed to talk about. So I'm excited. Um, I'm excited uh, for us to get into this conversation. And I am excited for you guys to really um, just get to know him a little bit more and what our government is doing. And uh, just really the, I guess you could say like the man behind the title and the position and at the end of the day we all just kind of put our pants on the same way and and so we'll just jump right in uh minister luan and i so i would if you don't mind i would love for you to start on even just coming coming to canada like start with that story sure and yeah thank okay. you yeah uh, thanks vanessa and thanks for having me on your show um, it, it's an honor and pri- privilege for me to even come here to share some of my own stories. Mm-hmm. I don't mind even, uh, you know, sharing with your audience about my personal journey uh, to where I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, as you mentioned, I am uh, originally from mainland China. Uh, I came to Canada in 1988 uh, as an international student pursuing my master's degree of social work at University of Calgary. Um, at that time, I had no plan to stay here because my uh, original plan is finishing my degree here, returning back to my workplace in Beijing. Uh, I will be the first uh, person in the whole country have a master's degree of social work wow. working at Ministry of Civil Affairs. Um, little did I know while I was here, uh, Tiananmen Square occurred. Uh, you probably all recall at that time, uh, drastic political change uh, in China. Uh, We international students here, of course, participate in that uh, pro-democracy movement. I'm very thankful to Canadians uh, offer so much help and support to us. We fundraise and we send money to students uh, uh, in Tiananmen Square and support them, fight for democracy and freedom. Unfortunately, uh, you all know the outcome Mm -hmm. that uh, with the Chinese government uh, sort of a forcefully uh, uh, shut down that, uh, I learned afterwards our activity here become so-called uh, anti-revolutionary. Uh, that's equivalent to Canadian is a criminal offense. Uh, and you can be subject to uh, capital punishment. Uh, because of that reason, uh, I wasn't able to return to China about 10 years. Uh, but that was also the turning point changed my plan for my life. Um, and then I decided, I'm very grateful that Ministry of, uh, uh, Minister of Immigration uh, give all the international students a special permit at that time, allow us to stay. Mm-hmm. So that's how I decided to stay. But what turned out to be that decision 
uh, is one of the best decisions in my life I've never made. Uh, so the next change of that was uh, I had to start from square one, mm-hmm. uh, work as a social worker, frontline social worker uh, in Alberta, as a child protection worker, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, those of you who know social work, uh, child protection is one of the hardest ones because you're constantly uh, dealing with the darkest side of mm-hmm. a human society whether it's child abuse, uh, neglect, sexual abuse, all that stuff, mm-hmm. it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but my point is, uh, uh, you know, coming to Canada um, with a plan which turned out to be quite different, and I walk myself, I watch, uh, you know, I, I watch myself what I did. Uh, it is very rewarding in a way that uh, uh, Canadian our burdens uh, are so kind and so nice, uh, nicest people in the world, uh, with open arms to assist you when you need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our system is uh, the freedom and opportunity is so wonderful that mm-hmm. uh, when you put into your hard work, you get rewarded from that. And I, I see myself, uh, you know, as a foreign student, have no roots here, start from square one. But I kept working hard, doing everything I could uh, mm-hmm. to contribute to work and career. Uh, and I watched myself from a frontline worker become a middle manager, uh, later part in my career. Uh, and then now jumped into the governance part, mm-hmm. uh, become a uh, government cabinet minister. Uh, let me tell you, not in my wildest dream this could happen. I have never, never... Uh, thought this could happen. It's just yeah. one thing lead to another mm-hmm. uh, to where I am today. You and I, like before we started recording, we were talking and because I was, you know, obviously thinking about you coming on the show today and just, you know, and for me, it's really important because um, I know everyone has a story, right? We yeah. all have a story. Yeah. And um, and then I just, I really also had really wanted to capture why this is so important for you like I because I'm just a I I I guess I really believe at the end of the day that we all do what we do because we we somehow we believe in it like you know and for you guys you know what you're doing in the government right now especially around addiction and mental health I I I have to believe and I choose to believe that you're doing it for a reason and so when I you know, when having you guys on the show today, having you on the show today, I really wanted to, I wanted to just, you know, who is this man, Jason? Yeah. And why is he doing what he's doing? And sorry, just what, and so when you, when I found out your social works, your background, you and I were talking. Yeah. And so I'm like, like you, you have to care about what you're doing. So that already told me a lot about you as a person. Thank you. You know, Thank so, you. yeah, so just... Jump, jump in from thank there. Thank you, thank you. Um, uh, you know, social workers, uh, uh, I may be biased in saying so, but uh, I'm part of that, uh, tends to be people who care so much about others. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a helping profession. Totally. Uh, it's a caretaker kind of a role because your uh, target are people who are vulnerable, who are falling into a difficult time in their life cycle. Mm-hmm. And, who need a leg up and hand to 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 help them out? Mm-hmm. Um, I think me as a person, uh, thanks to my mom and dad, the way they raised me, uh, is a um, 
kind, considerate uh, kind of person in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, uh, we end up what we're doing uh, isn't by accident. It, it has yeah. lots to do with uh, how we value things, uh, what we like to do. And I have no regrets. I choose social work mm-hmm. and I have no regret uh, the way I, I uh, walked my own journey and to where I am. I'm very grateful for, for the opportunities uh, that uh, Canada, Alberta has offered to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I consider right now I have a window of uh, opportunity that I can utilize my knowledge I learned through social work, my work experience over the years through different parts of uh, uh, the social work area. Mm-hmm. And to where I am in a government position, I can uh, use those knowledge and skills to support policies and directions in the end of the day, what I believe is the impact to people's life that mm-hmm. really matters. Uh, so I want to take my opportunity, I will do everything I, I can mm-hmm. uh, within my means to produce uh, impact that to people's life that has long-lasting uh, legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, on that note, I want to just uh, bring up... Um, one of the most recent changes that you guys have done as a government, um, I think it was last week, um, with just you know the publicly funded beds, you know removing that the barrier, the to, user fees, yeah, the user fees. Yeah, I, I know for me personally, yeah. like when I seen that announcement, like it makes me emotional mm-hmm. actually because mm-hmm. thank you, it it rocked me. Yeah. To my core, like just even, you know, how you're talking about how you grew up and stuff like that. Well, I grew up in addiction. I grew up with parents struggling to get sober, finding AA, going to AA, but it was all done in secret. It was all done in shame. It was all done. And I felt, Minister Luan, when I seen that announcement Mm -hmm. last week and how you're talking about this window of opportunity, that move alone removing that barrier to fees has changed the landscape for recovery and addiction forever thank you thank you vanisha and thank you for uh, your leadership and your sharing of your lived experience and your personal experience in contributing to this i I vividly remember uh at my early days when i got the post uh, i attended your conference and met with you there Mm -hmm. um the overwhelming sense I got from people like you and others in in the sector, mm-hmm. uh, you lead by compassion, you lead by your conviction, you lead by your belief that we can make a difference in, in the sector. Uh, I share that with you. Uh, I share that with you and among others. And uh, if you take a look at my office, mm-hmm. from my chief of staff to minister of assistance, uh, now I just added a second one, mm-hmm. all have similar lived experience. Absolutely. Uh, I very much value that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I work as a uh, social planner managing a contract with City of Calgary as a funder, um, I worked over 100 of different organizations. Um, people know that uh, in my interaction with them, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I very much appreciate uh, the real impact in the field. Mm-hmm. In the end of the day, what we're talking about, proposals, uh, programs, and description reports, has to transit into 
What's the real life change for the people yes. we're trying to help? Yes,、um, I'm proud of myself that、uh, that part has become a anchor、uh, to guide me in, in my work, in my interaction with people,、mm-hmm. and that is still the same today、uh, mm-hmm. as as a social minister of mental health and addiction. So let me、uh, go back to the、uh, the subject you talk about:、yeah. removing the user fee. Why is significant? Uh, when we took the office, uh, uh, you know, first thing is you examine what's happening、uh, mm-hmm. and identify opportunities to change. There was a remarkable、uh, injustice that I saw. Yeah.、Uh, in terms of treatment,、uh, the current system before we change、uh, charges every participant forty dollar a day、mm-hmm. uh, user fee.、Mm-hmm. And you know, Vanessa, and I think many in the field know. Uh, for people who go into、uh, treatment,、um, you know, the varies from thirty days, sixty days,、uh, six months to a year.、Mm-hmm. Um, if you count forty dollar a day for six months, that's a lot of money.、Mm-hmm. And and many of the folks who go through the treatment not necessarily do it once will be successful. Sometimes repeat yeah. different different uh, uh, cycles.、Mm-hmm. If you add this all together, in the thick of people who suffer from addiction, there are multiple crises, and on top of all the challenges you have, you lay on another big financial barrier.、Mm-hmm. People, you 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 have to wait, face with a choice: you either、uh, fall so bad you lose everything that、mm-hmm. you are one hundred percent under government social welfare, and then government will cover for you, or Um, when you still have your car, your house, and you, but you you already got into addiction,、um, you know and I know the early people get into this life saving、uh, treatment、mm-hmm. support, the easier you can get out of Correct, it. Correct. Yeah. But our system set up this way: if you are still having your car or house, you have to make a decision whether to sell your car to go for treatment. Or refinance your mortgage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and to get some cash in the front end、mm-hmm. to treat you. It's a hard decision, and that become a deterrent for many people who、mm-hmm. postpone this and, and missing opportunity.、Mm-hmm. We calculate the cost, the return of investment. A dollar invested into early treatment uh, entrance uh, will yield twelve dollar return in savings for government. From house cost, from justice,、mm-hmm. from social services. Totally. So、yeah. to us, it's a no-brainer. We need to get in this sooner,、mm-hmm. and we need to remove the barriers.、Mm-hmm. But what the the system before we change it is,、uh, people face with that challenge. What we did, we we took a look at our current investment. We reallocated five million that previously was through the social services.、Uh, Uh, approach to subsidize、uh, people who are in treatment, and added another three million dollars. Now it's a flat sort of a user fee, zero,、mm-hmm. uh, equal opportunity to all.、Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what your personal financial situation are. We're truly treating、uh, addiction as a health issue. Uh, so that's how we level the playfield. Yeah,、uh, it's the historical. Change in our Alberta history.、Mm-hmm. We believe we are also the first government in the whole country that took that step.、Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe、um, as time going on, 
we will see the remarkable change of how this will make it easier so people can get into life-saving treatment sooner yes. and recover better yes. than otherwise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I think, too, one of the biggest things with this, too, and, and this is really what it spoke to me when I seen those changes uh, happening last week around this, is that when we do something like this, when the, when the government does something like this, it automatically also shifts that stigma. You know what I mean? Totally it, it helps yeah. to re it immediately like banishes shame. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. when, you know, someone that is struggling with cancer doesn't have shame or stigma when they put up their hand and say, yeah, I've recently been diagnosed with yeah. cancer. Yeah. They're right away. They're, they're, they're filtered through the system. They get all the supports that they need. There's nothing but for someone that puts their hand up for addiction, well, for starters, you don't even feel like you can put your hand up because you don't want to, you don't want to be that label person. Yourself. You don't want to label yeah. yourself. Yeah. Right. But yeah. I, so to me, when I seen you guys make that change just in that one, and I know there's been many changes since you guys have been in, yeah. um, but that one change, it, it literally, it shifted the atmosphere Thank around you. a uh, addiction when it comes to shame and stigma yeah. and it, it we're, we're really starting to like you said like level the playing field because you know I, I way back when like in the 1400s or what you know uh it, 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 there was a time that cancer yeah. was stigmatized True. and and shamed yes and they wouldn't even if you had cancer they wanted you out of the city. They wouldn't even treat you or or medically take care of you mm-hmm. in the city because they thought you were contagious yeah. and you were looked upon as dirty. And mm-hmm. it was, you know what I mean? It right. was very stigmatizing. Yeah. And now look at our cancer societies and very our different. centers, yeah. right? Our hospitals across, across yeah. the world. Yeah. And so when you guys did that last week, that's what that reminded me of is that we are now embarking Absolutely. Hey, yeah, on absolutely. literally, yeah. we, we, it's just, it is historical, just absolutely. like what you said. Speaking of stigma, uh, I actually have a personal story I want to share with you and your audience yeah. um, about you know, stigma with mental health and mental illness and addiction. Uh, you know uh, full well because you're a leader in the field. Um, addiction is a brain disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has biological uh, factors contributed to why some people are most uh, suspect to it than others. The same way about mental illness. Uh, in my dinner table, uh, when I got this new uh, assignment uh, post, uh, my lovely daughters uh, challenged me. Um, I have two daughters, some of you may know. Um, one is in um, medicine, who is a second year pediatric neurologist. Uh, the other is a uh, uh, investment banker uh, graduates from Wharton Business School. Awesome. They, they both are very uh, uh, confident, uh, successful young um, folks and uh, as a parent were very proud of uh, their accomplishment. But make no mistake, they challenge me all the time. <laughs> so when I was appointed as a social minister of mental health addiction at the dinner table, uh, one of my daughter said, uh, daughter said, Daddy, I have a question for you. I said, okay, so what? She said, um, when you are physically ill, you get so much 
empathy from people around you, including your boss, you know, giving you time off and, and recover, and people mm -hmm. you know, give you food and comfort and, and wish you well. But when you are mentally ill, you're treated so differently. Mm -hmm. The society responds differently, as if there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And she said the fact is, mental illness, one in five of us in our lifetime, we will get it. Mm -hmm. there's, it's no difference than you get a flu at the winter time. It's not your fault. Mm -hmm. So she said, now you are the minister now. How are you going to change that? <laughs> uh, let me tell you that um, really stuck to my head. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I told her, I said, honey, you absolutely raised a good question. I don't know I have the answer, but I definitely will work hard mm -hmm. to, to work with uh, folks like, uh, you know, you guys, the younger generation seems to be a lot more open about this mm -hmm. than me and perhaps the people older than me. Mm -hmm. I said, we got to do something about this. Mm -hmm. So you're absolutely right. You know, when we leveled the playing field of how people access to uh, addiction treatment, uh, it is an indication that we're removing the, the stigma for that. Mm -hmm. um, it is um, no different than any other health issues that we deal with. When you're sick, you see doctors, you need to get whatever uh, medication treatment, by all means do that. Mm -hmm. This is same. Mm -hmm. uh, if you decided that you don't want to continue to struggle with addiction, you want addiction treatment, you want to get out of that, uh, here you go. You know, yeah. Access the healthcare system we will take care of the rest of that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and as I mentioned earlier, even as a government, when we are uh, calculating the, the uh, cost and return, mm -hmm. it is a 1 to 12 totally. return. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I remember, like, um, this is a few years ago now, but because I had... Uh, well, I have four children, but uh, one of one of my children, Eden, yep. had gone through ARC, um, you oh, know, okay. Alberta yes. Adolescent yes. Recovery yep. Center. Yep. And back then we were trying to, you know, look, help out with government funding and things like that. And we were doing that whole cost analysis thing mm -hmm. too, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it, it is, it's astronomical, the price that yep. is paid when ad addiction is just left absolutely you know what i mean yeah. and for us to intervene now literally only makes sense yeah. even even if you just look at it from a financial standpoint the the cost that is incurred you know what i mean with yeah. with i because I, I know even just what i went through with my daughter eating yeah. yeah. and the court system the police absolutely. system the healthcare system yeah. like the hospitals that yeah. i mean Phenomena. Like thousands yeah. and yeah. thousands and thousands yeah. of dollars. When I, on that note, when I took office, uh, I pressed on our uh, system to answer me a question. Mm -hmm. What's the current cost for mental health and, and addiction in Alberta? Mm -hmm. Do you know what the number is in the end? $5.5 billion. So when you add it to health cost, justice, mm -hmm. social services, um, and the loss of workforce, Yes, it came down to 5.5 billion. And that number, uh, let me tell you, really stuck in my head. I'm, I'm thinking, wow, uh, credit to Premier that uh, had the foresight uh, created my ministry, mm -hmm. solely dedicated for this mm -hmm. cause. Mm -hmm. This has direct contribution to the well-being of our burdens, to our economic performance. And the next thing I learned is, um, when you dive deeper into the 
profile and and uh, demographics of who are the people who suffer from uh, addiction mental health across all profession, yes. all age, uh, age sort of uh, uh, cohorts, but with a very heavy, heavy representation from people who are in the trade and oil and gas uh, sector. Uh, and then I asked this question when I visit to Suncor and other uh, places. I say, I heard this um, in my previous social work mm-hmm. experience, but I want now hear from you directly as the operator owner of company. Uh, is there a problem for your workforce that people earn quick, have hard working conditions, but consume so much with their um, money earned into drugs mm-hmm. and end up lots of them uh, addicted to it. They absolutely validate that. Mm-hmm. So, and then when I went to treatment centers, uh, many that in Calgary, I asked the same question. I says, what do you do for some of the residents, participants there? Um, uh, and again, many of them say they were in a oil and gas industry. Mm-hmm. Um, it is harsh condition when you work 14 you know, 20 hours a, a shift, um, but your money comes fast, and then there's a unspoken culture that they just spend it mm-hmm. so much into drug, drug and other mm-hmm. substance. So once again, I'm, be, I'm with this belief that if we get this right, if we helped to restore uh, the workforce who are unfortunately being taken by this uh, substance abuse, uh, if we restored their uh, health conditions sooner and 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 better, mm-hmm. we are helping to form a Alberta workplace that is more ready to take the economic uh, advantage we have when the condition improve, when we need to recover from our economic downturn. That we will be ready and we will be jumped to the to the opportunity to really capitalize that. Mm-hmm. So this investment currently when we're at the economic downturn, uh, when lots of people lost jobs, when we get them into treatment, to get them into a healthy side of the equation, we're positioning them for a healthy recovery mm-hmm. when the economy condition improves and they can get the job that they ever um, dreamed of and, yes. and has, has been had in the past. Yeah. So... I'm looking forward to see that direct economic tie mm-hmm. through the work we're doing today. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, I think it just is, it, it, it changes everything. It changes everything. It makes it easier to come forward. So, you know what I mean? It just, it makes that whole intervention prevention, um, just more of a more viable yeah. and, and, uh, yeah. If if you may allow me to add one more point, yeah. this is my social work me and coming back <laughs> beyond the economics. Uh, you know, when we look at the cost of addiction and mental illness to individual, mm-hmm. to family members, uh, to the community you live with, it's enormous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's beyond dollar can mm-hmm. can can measure. I agree. Um, so to me, the untreated addiction is a bottomless kind of a disease it can start by uh, getting you off track from your career you lose job eventually you lose relationship you lose your family 
you lose everything to mm-hmm. the degree that your life will be taken away from you. Mm-hmm. So that's how the spiral uh, addiction circle can go. But we also know um, at any point when we intervene, and so people get out of that vicious circle and work towards a healthy living, get out of addiction, it's a totally different path. You can restore your self-confidence, your career, mm-hmm. your job, uh, your family relationship, and your community, and become a um, responsible citizen that mm-hmm. you feel proud of your contribution mm-hmm. to the s- society. So that's, by the way, is our government's new direction when mm-hmm. we talk about recovery-focused, uh, or recovery-oriented continuum care. Mm-hmm. That's our aim. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, we must be very clear. Why are we involved in this? Mm-hmm. We're involved is because we want to help people return to a healthy living. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I totally believe that. Like I, I know for me, uh, being a part of you know, this recovery move movement. And I, I have even personally called it like a recovery revolution because I, I really do believe that anyone can recover. And I, I just, I really also believe in the power of the human spirit. Mm-hmm. And especially when we can come alongside someone and because a lot of times when we get into addiction and yep. mental health, yep. you, we need people to believe in us because mm-hmm. a lot of times when we're, we're in those places, we have lost belief in ourselves, true, right? True. But if you can find someone to believe in you yeah. and to believe for you, yeah. you know what I mean? Until you can get to the place where you can start to act, believe in yourself again, Absolutely. like it makes, it makes all the difference. Yeah. And so I really believe that all of these steps that the government is taking around addiction and mental health is making Everything else that has already been going on, it's just going to make it that much easier for for that message to get across, you know, Absolutely. and to reach more people. Yeah. 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 To me, um, the access to service has to be the job number one. Yeah. If you watch what we've been doing in the last uh, 16 months and since we took office, is A, we drastically increased uh, uh, treatment uh, spots, mm-hmm. uh, that 4,000 initiative that uh, Premier announced in mm-hmm. 2019. I'm glad to report that uh, uh, that was a task to be completed in our mandate by four years. But 16 months into our mandate, we already accomplished that 4,000 spaces. Wow. So that was another transformational change. Uh, Vanessa, you will remember that prior to adding those spaces available to our system, uh, when people say, uh, I decided I don't want to continue this anymore, I want to go to treatment, uh, oftentimes you end up put on a waiting list. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's three weeks, other times three months. Mm-hmm. Three weeks, three months later, things deteriorate so bad. And that moment of uh, change that people mm-hmm. finally decided to, 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 to jump into get lost and totally. how many people uh, sort of suffer yeah. from that into a deeper kind of a uh, problem this is one of the reasons since we took office we drastically opened up the spot and then you hear me uh, last week we removed the user fee mm-hmm. so our focus at this point has been open the doors open mm-hmm. the doors for people at the meantime uh, i also want to emphasize 
the current uh, addiction mental health uh, support system in Alberta is a very um, multi-pillared kind of a, a system in place. While we're drastically open the treatment uh, piece of that, we also have prevention, mm-hmm. uh, intervention, including harm reduction, all those par- parts of uh, services is part of the system here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to take an opportunity to correct uh, some of the misinformation by the advocates who are uh, single focus on one part of the system and mm-hmm. trying to defend it. Uh, for instance, supervised consumption services. It is just one part of the larger system that we're trying to balance and trying to reinvest. Mm-hmm. Um, I want people to know that uh, despite all the noises out, out of there, uh, with our government commitments, that we will develop a full comprehensive approach, including harm reduction as a part of the intervention mm-hmm. in our system here. Mm-hmm. So it won't be lost, mm-hmm. but it won't be run as a single pillar approach like the previous government, as yeah. if that will solve all the problem. Yeah, no, yeah. it's just one part of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I really believe that... Uh, like we do, we do need more of a wraparound service yeah. type of, you know, type of setting kind of thing where, yeah. because I mean, well, that just, yeah, we, just that balance, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I absolutely, um, believe and know that I, I will always, um, just me personally, this is just my own personal opinion, yeah. but I will always, uh, push and advocate mm-hmm. for recovery. Absolutely. Um, because to me, uh, despite we have a comprehensive system, mm-hmm. have many parts in it, uh, we're going to make it very blunt, very clear. Doesn't matter which part of the system you're in, the f- ultimate goal cannot be different than you're helping people get out of addiction. Mm-hmm. That has to be yes. our northern star. Yeah. Uh, so recovery, getting better, getting yes. Um, yes. Uh, toward healthy living, has to be the aim. In mm-hmm. the end of the day, it mm-hmm. cannot be any other agenda mm-hmm. that comes to play mm-hmm. within the system. And by the way, that you're going to see me driving uh, to that kind of a sharp focus. Uh, yes, we're realigning a lot of uh, existing services to contributing to this uh, uh, recovery-oriented uh, continuum care, mm-hmm. but make no s- mistakes. Any part of, of the components here will all contributing to getting people better, getting yes. people into recovery, yes. getting people living in a healthy yes. uh, life. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I Yeah, I totally believe that. Like I know sometimes that... It, that's a process, yes. you know what I mean? And depending yeah. on how long someone has been entrenched in their addiction and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah. so for some people, it can take longer than others. And I fully understand that. Yeah. And so, but I, but I believe that the, the biggest thing and what I see happening now with our government and with some of these changes, the biggest thing that helps individuals to recover is support Mm -hmm. right it's support and for the first time in my lifetime you know what I mean I'm 48 years old I I I grew up you look young than that (laughs) thank you but I I grew up you know going to AA meetings yes. in back alleys and, yep. in, and down in basement doors and yep. just just all of that and yep. to see where we are 
in like for me in my like I said in my lifetime I, it's it's like a miracle thank you and just to have that support yeah like I so I to me yeah it is the support and I see the government doing that with some thank of the you. barriers that you guys have removed yeah. to me what that the message that, that I'm seeing and that I'm hearing is that we support you absolutely we yeah. see you yeah we hear you yeah and we're going we're just going to make it easier yeah it we're it's almost like an, an acceptance finally of addiction and mental health and ex, there's an acceptance there now that was never there before mm-hmm. you know and yeah. thank you thank yeah, you i'm glad to hear that yeah no yeah. it's it's really yeah. um it's uh, amazing i i, I may uh, again going back to my social work perspective <laughs> on this is uh when we want to support help people to change we must put ourselves into their shoes and to understand uh, where they are and assist and support them to go where they need to go mm-hmm. uh, so it's working with uh, not sort of a um, you know do it for you mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or or any other way mm-hmm. uh, let me uh, share another part of the aa uh, sort of uh, meeting that you talk about um with COVID, um, the very same measure that we try to limit virus, uh, isolate virus, also isolated how we interact. Yeah. And for the uh, mental illness and uh, people having existing conditions with, with mental illness and addiction, mm-hmm. it meant uh, social isolation and isolated individuals from accessing to support, accessing to uh, services and so on mm-hmm. and forth. It has a profound impact uh, to people who, who suffer from this. Yeah, I looked at the uh, opioid um, fatality stats across Canada um, because of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Virtually every province, the fatality rate has significantly jumped. Totally. Uh, yeah. In Alberta, we're no difference. I think we're the third uh highest amount of country mm-hmm. uh, the fatality doubled mm-hmm. uh, from the first mm-hmm. quarter yeah so to me that's a sad reality but it's also uh, an indication to say how addiction treatment and support services is so critical mm-hmm. no difference than the emergency rooms mm-hmm. in hospitals mm-hmm. um, because of that reason uh, if you recall uh, when we announced those uh, uh you know, restrictions and so on and so forth, we deemed uh, addiction treatment and mutual support group, yes. like AAs and NAs. Yeah, as smart recovery, e- all of those. Absolutely, yeah. as essential service. Yes. So we allow that to continue to be operating, well have specific mm-hmm. measures and procedures mm-hmm. how to ensure personal safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, uh, with the second wave coming back, mm-hmm. we started to uh, limiting restrictions again um, we once again emphasized uh, addiction services treatments is essential service mutual support group like aas and NAs and smart uh, groups mm-hmm. they are all deemed essential service i actually wrote a letter uh, last week and posted on my internet to give people the convenience that uh, if you end up uh, renting a place for your AA meetings and the landlord didn't know the difference, mm-hmm. uh, you can present this letter to them to confirm that Alberta government give them 
this special recognition mm-hmm. because they are essential service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I was really happy to see that too. Um, yeah, because I, I remember in the very beginning with all of that being shut down, like yep. in the v- earlier when COVID first hit and stuff like that. Yep. And so that was uh, <laughs> like just, yeah. well, and it, it, it makes sense. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it yeah. just is, yeah it, yeah, it was it was really awesome to see the, that. The, the other part of, uh, uh, I, I'm not sure it has been uh, seen by the public yet, but yeah. definitely we've been embarking on that direction. Uh, when we announced the $25 million to build five recovery communities mm-hmm. in our province, it was one of the best treatments that I am aware of using a holistic approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, take people and walk uh, into the treatment program in the spirit of mind, body, and spirit. Yes. So, So to me... When we talk about transformational change, we talk about uh, you know helping people to get out of some miserable addiction, destructive life, into a healthy living, restore relationship, restore self confidence, mm-hmm. uh, gain employment skills, and have the ability to contribute into the society and f- you know fill yourself uh, with positive image and and. Uh, uh, a life of meaning and and yeah. uh, and the purpose. Um, I am so much looking forward to the outcomes of those new services um, mm-hmm. established for our system to really see the real change in people's life. This goes back to your first question: Why do I bother to do this? Yeah, this is why. Yeah, because I'm looking forward to see because of our. Uh, policies because of our redirection of focus and because of our investments in people that we're going to see more and people more and more people return to healthy living mm-hmm. absolutely i believe that too i totally believe that too i'm i'm excited like i'm excited for the changes that have already happened and then just how that is now has already shifted and will continue to shift um it, like this whole movement even around removing the shame and stigma from Mm -hmm. addiction and mental health Mm -hmm. like and so um yeah it's incredible I so you and I before we hit record we talked a little bit about because I had asked you I had asked you if I was allowed to ask you of course um if, if you had had any personal um experience around addiction or mental health and you had shared a very personal story um Back when you were yeah, going yeah. to school, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, I addiction part I haven't, but mental uh, illness, mental health part, absolutely. Uh, I wouldn't mind to say that uh, on the third year when I uh, came to Canada, this is after my graduate with, with my degrees, find my first job as a child protection worker. Um, I vividly remember there was a period of time, it seems to be so hard uh, as a foreign student speak the you know second language, different culture, uh, you go into homes uh, trying to apprehend uh, people's uh, children and then you try to work with parents for their parenting skills. Uh, it was so hard uh, to the degree uh, I started wondering, uh, is there something wrong with me? Or, or, 
or it is any other reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started to reading books about uh, depression, anxiety, because I felt like there are days of my, my life. I felt like I'm totally lost. Um, lucky enough that through self-learning and, and being a social worker, you have the advantage of having supportive colleagues and, mm-hmm. and others and my own peer support. Uh, I don't think I went uh, too in, uh, that far into a clinical depression, mm-hmm. but pretty much uh, borderline <laughs> at the time. Yeah. Uh, so that was my t- toughest time in my life. Uh, you know, I, I felt like uh, uh, I'm at risk. Uh, mm-hmm. I lost. Uh, I have days. I have questions about uh, why I'm existed here. What mm-hmm. am I contributing? Uh, am I the problem? Mm-hmm. So lucky enough that I, with the support, uh, I'm, you know, able to manage through that. Mm-hmm. But I can totally relate to when people fell. Uh, you know, nothing makes sense. It's all their fault. There's no any other way. Uh, how that will really uh, become destructive force mm-hmm. to themselves, to how they interact with other people, and so on forth. I see this over and over uh, in my career. Later on, you know, uh, as a social worker, you encounter this all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I think that's my closest one. I can uh, personally relate yeah. to all this. Uh, work-wise, um, you know, as a child protection worker, I did seven, seven and a half years uh, for that. It was wow. very tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like you're dipping into the darker side of our human mm-hmm. nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're talking about uh, uh, stories of past abuse. Uh, uh, people disclose uh, uh, information. That some, sometimes I feel like uh, when you finish your day, uh, I felt like I'm vomiting. I, 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 couldn't <laughs> yeah. I couldn't keep it all. Yeah, it can be very traumatizing just yeah. hearing it. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I... I look around my colleagues, <laughs> some of us, you know, walk into the office, cry first before you get on to the work because yeah. the, the human part of a uh, uh, burden to handle those darkest side of uh, our society is, is, uh, is very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, the good news is uh, with uh, no different than the other uh, difficulties we all encounter in times, with proper support, uh, with guidance, with discipline, uh, you can manage that. Mm-hmm. And I sure found the, the, their first two years of child protection is the hardest. After that, you really start learning uh, some pr- practical skills mm-hmm. to uh, really managing this, distance yourself mm-hmm. from the situation, seeking peer support and, and uh, collegial uh, support when you need it. Uh, and then you can manage this tough work. Mm-hmm. Um, and the learning I had through that six and a half, uh, seven years of uh, child protection, uh, I believe carried me for the rest of my career. Because once you've gone through that, anything else seems to be lesser challenging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So where? So you're 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 in your government position now. And, and you've said it a few times, like just having that window of opportunity. And so for me, and especially like, you know, before we started recording and stuff like that, we were, you know, you were sharing about with your daughters and just your family. And, 
and really believing in the work that you're doing, right? And just having this window of opportunity to really make a difference in the lives of Albertans. And Mm -hmm. and so just tell me what you hope to... My my thought is this. um, This is my last lake uh, in my... um, professional career I consider mm-hmm. but it's a special time uh, there's a window of opportunity open to me I can utilize my uh, learned knowledge education personal work experience in the social work field really utilize that with the political leverage I have mm-hmm. to make a difference in people's life uh, we are we're faced with a situation that people who are vulnerable, who are suffered from mental illness, addiction, uh, they needed help. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to calibrate our system. Perhaps many uh, things in the past I can do as a frontline worker or as a supervisor, as a small team. There's only this much you can go. Mm-hmm. But now, blended into that practical work experience, now you're in a position of making policies, decisions that can shift a system mm-hmm. to respond to issues better. Mm-hmm. To me, it's a lifetime opportunity that doesn't open very often. Now yeah, I got abs- it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to take every day, every minute to not to forget this is a privilege, this is an opportunity. I want to make a difference to, uh, to the system so that in the end of the day, um, when my time is over, when we look back, because of some of the changes we made that benefit people uh, for betterness uh, in generations to come, mm-hmm. I will be forever uh, grateful for this opportunity. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. It's awesome, Minister Swan. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I, um, I, I've really enjoyed our time together. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you so much for today thank you for being on the show and and thank you for yeah. giving me this chance to uh, share my thoughts with uh, you and your audience mm-hmm. and I, I really appreciate you um, just you know sharing even some of your personal story and and we're, we're in this together yeah. I'm no different <laughs> we totally yeah. are in this yeah. together yeah yeah. Yeah. I, yeah yeah thank you Minister Luan I yeah I really appreciate it you're very welcome thank yeah. you we'll have to have you on again maybe in a few months and I wouldn't mind yeah I love it. Yeah, yeah and we can follow up with just some of the changes and where things are at and yeah that would be awesome great well everyone um we have had uh Minister Jason Luan in the studio today, which has been awesome. Um, This is another episode of the Ordinary Courage podcast and with your host, Venetia Breald. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, several other platforms. And I really hope that you guys uh, enjoyed uh, this episode of the Ordinary Courage podcast. And I know that I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, this episode. And uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for just, you know, following along with us and just being a part of this um the program and the stories of courage, stories of resilience, stories of change and stories of transformation. And thank you all so much. Till next time.